Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Christian Fellowship. We hope that you'll be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. I want to speak to you this morning about the power of a yielded heart. Last week, we spent some time in prayer with the Church of the Nations Day of Prayer, But before we did that, I painted a prophetic picture for you. I took all the various little puzzle pieces of prophetic words that God has has been speaking over our fellowship over some time and kind of try to put them all together for you to get a, a picture of what I believe it is that God is saying to you and I during this time and season. I want you to turn in your Bibles now to the book of Ezekiel, chapter 47. And while you're turning there, I'll explain to you why. God gave us this beautiful picture of a safe house, a place where people can come and receive healing and restoration, be equipped and trained and ultimately released with blessing and spiritual vitality into the call and the destiny of God upon their lives. It's a beautiful dream. Would you agree? It's a beautiful vision. It's a wonderful thing to be part of and to know that I belong in this and I have a role to play in this. And so God paints this picture, and He calls us into it. He calls us to find our place within that. Ezekiel 47 is a similar kind of situation. I'm going to read from verse 1 through to verse 6. And in this, we see God giving the prophet Ezekiel a vision. It says this, Then He brought me back to the door of the temple, and there was water flowing from under the threshold of the temple toward the east. For the front of the temple faced east. The water was flowing from under the right side of the temple south of the altar. And he brought me out by way of the north gate and led me around the outside, on the outside, to the outer gateway that faces east. And there was water running out the right side. And when the man had sent out to the east with a line in his hand, he measured 1,000 cubits, and he brought me through the waters. The water came up to my ankles. Let's pause for a moment. So we see this picture of this river coming out from the temple, and the man, whoever it was that leading the prophet, the, the messenger, takes him to this point, and he measures him into the river. So you see there's a picture of this river, and then a measurement. Then, after the measurement, he brings him out to that, and we see him standing in the water, ankle deep. Again, verse 4, he measured 1,000 and brought me through the waters, and the water came up to my knees. Again, he measured 1,000 and brought me through the water up to my waist, And again he measured 1,000, and it was a river that I could not cross, for the water was too deep, water in which one must swim, a river that could not be crossed. He said to me, Son of man, have you seen this? Then he brought me and returned me to the bank of the river. There's a few things I want to say concerning this picture, this vision that is given to the prophet When Ezekiel was up to his ankles, it wasn't very deep, but he was in it as much as he could be. And they measured it again, and he went up, and he was up to his knees. And again, it wasn't very deep, 
but he was in it as much as he could be in that current location. Again he was measured, he went up to his waist, and you could say it's starting to get deeper now, you can probably feel the flow of the river. If any of you have ever tried to cross a river, you can feel the flow of it. But you're still in control, your feet are still on the bottom, and, and you're in it about as much as you can be until you step over. For many of us, our experience of God may be ankle deep, knee deep, waist deep, but we are in that experience as much as we can be given the location of our hearts currently. I want to say that again. We may only be knee deep or waist deep or ankle deep in the Lord, but my experience of God, my experience of this river of God is congruent or in alignment with my location in Him, my, the, the level of my faith, the level of my intimacy, the level of my devotion. I can only experience God to this kind of level where I currently am. However, there's a man with a ruler who's measuring out and saying, come on, come on. The other thing I want to point out to you is this. From verse 6 it says, he said to me, Son of man, have you seen this? That's a good question. It's a good question. And I think very often God reminds us about the promises He's given us, the prophetic words He's spoken over our lives, the, the, what His Word says about us, and He asks us that question. Have you seen it? Have you seen what my Word says about this situation? Have you seen what my Word says about what you're currently facing? What does He mean by have you seen it? Have you taken it in? Have you recognized it? Have you recognized what this is? And he says, and then it says this, then he brought me and returned me to the bank of the river. You could say this is a prophetic picture of the growth of the early church. Out of the temple, the veil is torn. This trickle of Holy Spirit in a few people suddenly becomes more and more until it's this rushing, gushing flow that no one can, 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 can stem or control. You could also say it's a prophetic picture of our spiritual journey and growth with God. Levels of revelation knowledge, levels of sanctification, levels of power. We read this, and there's something in us that there's a call when we read this passage and we read this prophecy to go deeper. Somehow there's a desire that not only is there more, but that God is calling me to it. There's a drawing and a wooing but the interesting thing is this, God gives Ezekiel this beautiful picture, he paints this prophetic picture for him, and then he takes him back to the shore. He takes him back to the point where he first started. I want to say to you that's significant. Just because God gives us a prophetic vision or a prophetic dream or a promise, and we can, he's given us a sense of imagination that we can see ourselves in it. And this call and this desire, that, 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 this longing to enter into it. Now, whether that may be in your spiritual arena, whether that may be in the financial or relational or emotional arena, whatever arena it may be, we get the Word of God on something, we see the picture, He calls us into it, but the place we start from is always right where we are. You can't go from shore to waist deep without going through your ankles and your knees. 
You have to go from where you are. You have to start from where you are. Now, I know sometimes God does amazing things in people's lives. I'm always very jealous of them. Some people have these incredible salvation experiences. One moment, they're really stinking, horrible, ugly people. They're just nasty and angry with the world and very, very sinful by our definition of sinfulness. And God moves on their lives and suddenly they're healed, they're delivered. No more this, no more that. Speaking in tongues, filled with the Holy Spirit, living a life, winning people to the lost. My experience wasn't that way. You may notice I'm still on the journey. Ankle deep, knee deep, waist deep, in the flow. In the flow. I want to say to you, in the same way that God, what God did with Ezekiel, in showing him this wonderful vision and calling him into it. He does with you and I. But likewise, in the same way that he brought Ezekiel right back to the place where he was, God meets us in the place where we are. He calls us in, but he meets us where we are. He calls us his sons and daughters and invites us deeper into the depths of his heart until our lives become swept away with his love. He paints a canvas of promises before us and draws us into the fullness of every single one of them, but he does it one brush stroke at a time. What is it that God requires of us to enter into this river, to enter into the flow, to begin partaking of the fullness of what it is that he has come to give us? What is it that God requires of us? It's just one thing. Yieldedness. Willingness to go. Willingness to trust. And there's a few points that I want to make concerning this. The first one is this. To yield is to cease from resistance. If you imagine old-style warfare where you have two two armies on a, on a battlefield, and they're coming at one another in these lines. If somebody raises a white flag, what does that mean? It means surrender. It means that up to this point, we have been resisting your advance. We do not want you to advance. I've been resisting it. We've been fighting against you. We've been barricading ourselves in. We've been shooting you down. We've been doing everything we can to resist the onslaught and what you come to bring. But the moment I wave the white flag, it means I am now ceasing my resistance. I'm not resisting you anymore. When God gave me that picture, and it, it gave me that picture quite a long time ago, I realized that the advancing and prevailing force in my life is the love of God. And I realized how much time I spent resisting His love. We always think of it as the enemy trying to come in. But do you realize that God is jealous for your heart and His love pursues you with a holy fire and a holy passion to make you completely His own and to fill you with His love and His joy and His glory? Let's not kid ourselves. The Holy Spirit is an occupying force. Amen? He's an occupying force, but He's not a forceful one. He will not occupy by force. He will not force himself on. But man, what joy and power he brings when we yield. And there's so many ways in our lives that we end up resisting him. When we insist on doing things our own way, 
when we insist on meditating and believing in things that are just not from Him, this world's way of doing things, this world's way of thinking, how do you see yourself? Do you see yourself through the eyes of the Spirit of God and His love that is just coming after you, that tells you you are precious no matter what, no matter what you've done, where you've been, what you look like, what size you are? Man, I'm getting bigger. It's just more room for love. That's just really all it is. But think about that with me. How much time do we spend resisting God's love, God's blessing, God's power, God's providence, God's grace by not giving Him the time of day? It's passive resistance. Instead of believing and trusting what He promises, we worry and we fret about how we are going to cause, cause these things to come to pass. I want to say to you this morning that the power of grace and of faith are found not in striving, but in yieldedness. Paul said it this way, Wretched man that I am. When I want to do good, I do bad. And the things I don't want to do, I end up doing. Oh man, who will save me from this body of sin? Things I don't want to do, I do. The more I try, the more I fail. The secret to the strength and the grace of God is yieldedness. Paul again wrote of, in 2 Corinthians, this thorn in his flesh, this battle, this struggle that he was having. And he said, God, I, I prayed three times that this thing would be taken from me, and it just never was. And eventually God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. And Paul realized that in his weakness is where he lent more on God and where he discovered the grace that God has. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and not of yourselves. How are we saved? Through striving, through effort, through our believing? No, by the grace of God, through faith, and even the faith is not our faith, it is the gift of God, and it's not of works, lest anyone should boast. So what is my whole, what is my role in this whole salvation experience and Christian walk? What is it that I need to do? Have you cottoned on yet? Someone tell me, please. Yield. All I need to do is yield. Yield to the Lord. Yield to His salvation. Yield and receive. Yield and receive. Jesus is our ultimate example in this. One of my favorite prayers of Jesus is the prayer that he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane where he was battling and striving and struggling with what he knew what was, was coming in front of him. The pain that was imminent. And he says in Luke 22, 42, Father, if it is your will, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Not my will, but your will. Lord, have your way. I yield. Even though this yielding is going to cost me my life, I yield. I say, Lord, have your way. You see, the truth in this kind of analogy, the truth in yielding to God is this. When I yield to one, when I yield to God, automatically I resist all others. You see, the life of yieldedness is not just a, a free-for-all where I just yield to anyone and anything. 
The moment I yielded to marrying my wife and I yielded to her advances, a rightful chuckle. Well, let me put it this way. Then. The moment she yielded to my advances was the moment she, she said, I will yield to no other. I will yield to no other advances. I give myself to no one else except you. And it's the same with us and God. It's the same when we choose and say, Holy Spirit, I want to yield to you. It's a once-off decision that we make every day. Does that make sense? It's a once-off decision that I say, for the rest of my life, I yield to you, and you alone. That means I can yield to no others. Why? Because when we yield, we align our outcomes with someone else's vision, with their name, with their power, and their reputation. And yet we still bear the full responsibility for our decision. I bear the full weight of my decision to follow Jesus. Some days that will lead me into persecution. Some days that will lead me into great blessing and joy. I bear the fruit of that. Jesus bore the fruit of his decision to yield that moment in Gethsemane. He bore it in his flesh. But he aligned himself with somebody that raised him from the dead. You see, when I align my heart with Jesus, when I align my heart with Holy Spirit and where he wants to lead me, I align myself with his grace, with his power, with his anointing, with his promises, with his ability. Romans 6.16 says this, Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one's slaves whom you obey, whether in sin leading to death or obedience leading to righteousness? The point that I want to make to you, folks, we talk about yieldedness this morning as though it's this thing we need to do, you know, that we need to align our hearts with, but here's the truth. All day long, every day, we are yielding. The question is to whom? The question is to what influence are we yielding? You see, at the heart of all our sin is this unwillingness to yield. We don't want to yield. And we think by not yielding, we make ourselves secure, we make ourselves safe. I'm not going to give anybody else control. I'm not going to allow anybody else to make the decision for me. You know what? That's exactly what Adam and Eve said. Guess where they got that idea from? See, even in their hearts, even in our hearts, when we say, I'm not going to yield to anyone, we're already yielding to someone. We're yielding to the voice of the father of lies who deceives us into thinking that we are kind of autonomous and we are little gods on our own. And we can make our own decisions and determine the outcomes of our lives and, be, and the consequences thereof. The truth is it's just not that way. The truth is it's just not that way. That's a deception. And I want to say it's a gross deception out in the world today. The point I want to make this morning is if we see a prophetic picture and we hear God calling us into that, we need to be just that much more aware of what voices it is that we are yielding to. Because all day long we are yielding. All day long we are yielding. You see this idea that we, don't, that we want to keep secure, this idea that we don't want to yield to anybody, that, that is called pride. That's called pride. Pride says, I will not yield to anyone. 
I will do it my way. But look at what the Word of God has to say about the proud in James chapter 4. Verse 6 to 7 says, But He gives more grace. Isn't that wonderful news? God gives more grace. Therefore, He says, God resists the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. Let me read this another way. God resists those who are intent on doing things their way, but He gives grace to those who yield to Him. Ability. Power. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. You know, I've come to learn that resisting temptation is a difficult thing to do. In fact, I've come to learn that in my life, very often, resisting temptation without a yieldedness to God is futile. I've come to learn that I cannot resist temptation unless my heart is yielded to something else first. Interesting that, hey? We try and muster the strength. God, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to do that again. I'm going to forgive that person or I'm not going to fall into that sin again. And we're re very resolute. It's generally on a Sunday morning at the altar. But by Tuesday morning, that prayer is already you know, worn pretty thin. Why? Because my heart has not shifted to yielding to something else. My heart still wants to yield to that kind of thing. I haven't developed a hatred for that yet or a dislike for that yet. And therefore, I haven't got the grace that I need or the strength that I need to overcome it. The secret to overcoming sin is to submit to something else. Is to yield to the Spirit of God in any kind or any given situation. It's to take hold of all that He has made available. The power, now let me share this principle with you. The power to resist one thing comes from the power you receive from yielding to another. And this applies both to God as well as the enemy of, my, of our souls. The more I yield to God, or when I yield to God, I receive the grace and the power that, that I need from Him in order to resist every other force. But let me tell you this, the more I yield to the enemy of lies, the more he empowers me to resist the love of God. This is the battlefield that we are in. It's the, it's the, the thoughts for the hearts of men that the enemy is sowing in. Because he knows the more we submit to his way of thinking, the more we submit ourselves to, to, to the garbage, the more we will innately identify with it and therefore resist the truth of God's great precious and wonderful love. Isn't that incredible? But yet the opposite is true. The more we yield to the truth of God's Word, the more we give ourselves to it and believe it and stand on it and say, yes, Lord, your way, your Word is true. I yield my heart to this. I choose to believe it. And I choose to walk in it. Guess what? The other things fall away. It's like the old song says, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in His wonderful face, and what happens? The things of the earth become strangely dim. They lose their luster. They lose their luster. You know, I thought, I think back sometimes on, on, on some of the things that I used to really struggle with, worldly desires, fleshly or carnal lusts that I used to struggle with, and I think about some of them and I think, 
I don't even have that desire anymore. I don't even have the want or the need or the compulsion to, to, to go that way anymore. It's just not there anymore. Why? And I realize, praise be to God, it's because I've learned to yield to His heart in me. And the more I do that, the more I'm empowered to seek Him and, and recognize His voice. It's about aligning with God's grace and His blessing. Romans 8.14 as many of you as are led by the Spirit of God, you are the sons of God. What is a son? A son, a mature son, is somebody who resembles their father. And the more we yield to the Holy Spirit, the more we begin to resemble our Heavenly Father. Isn't that beautiful? There's a hymn, a song, that I can't seem to get out of my head. I've been singing this for weeks, and I'm actually going to play it for you. It's very short. It's a very short song. Did you switch off the drums, Stephen? I want to play this song for you. Because this has been my prayer for some time now. And I really want us all to make this our prayer. Thank you, Stephen. It's a heart's desire, as we spoke about this morning, to understand that God has painted a prophetic picture in us, before us. He's called us into walking this life of intimacy with Him in the Spirit. I want to tell you something. Standing in this position on a Sunday morning and speaking the Word of God, I don't know if you realize how acutely aware you become of your inadequacies and how unable I am to do this. We see this vision and we look at it and we go, wow, God, that's awesome. Listen to this. some of you are thinking, what kind of playlist have you got in that phone? That seems pretty old. That song has just so gripped my heart because I realized that that's exactly where I am. And if you're honest with me, you'll, learn, you'll, you'll say the same. That no matter whether you're ankle deep or you're knee deep or you're waist deep, 
every one of us are on this journey of learning how to lean, how to leverage, how to trust in, how to depend on, how to find our place and our security in Jesus. And the result is this. I'm finding more power than I ever dreamed. That's the river. That's the call. That's the promise. That's the wooing. Where Jesus says, I'm going to fill you with so much power, you, you, you can't even dream about it. You know, this week I was praying for you, church. I was praying out of the book of Ephesians. Chapter 1, I was praying that God, that you would give to us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. That our eyes would be enlightened, our understanding would be enlightened, that we may know what is the hope of this calling. What is the hope? What is it that you dream of God when you put this plan before us, when you give us this prophetic vision? And what are the exceeding or the riches of your glory in, which is our inheritance in the saints and the exceeding greatness of your power towards us who believe. God, that you would give us a revelation, that you would give us an understanding of this, these things. Chapter 3, verse 18, that we may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height. You see the, the river analogy again. This thing that you can get lost in height, depth, length, breadth of the love of Christ, that we may know it and be filled with all the fullness of God. He then says this, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask or think or even imagine, to him be glory. God says, Go down the river. See the picture. Imagine. Put your faith out there. What is it that your mind's eye sees when you hear these kinds of things? I don't just mean generally. I mean for you, for your life. What is it that you see when you look at your loved ones and your family and your workplace and those whom God has laid on your heart? What do you see? Dream about it. Put your faith into it. Put your heart into it. But remember this, we always have to come back to that place where we are. And the only way we move on from the place where we are is how? Is to yield to the flow. And how do I yield to the flow? I step into the river. I step into the river. I've got to step into the river. Because where I am is, if I'm only ankle or knee deep, that's all I'm going to experience here. And I can see the vision and I can dream about it and sing Kumbaya and light as many candles as I want to. But I'm never going to move into it until I yield to the flow and take a step into the river. Folks, I want to step into the river. I want to step out there and experience more than where I am. I'm not here to judge this morning where you are. Maybe you feel like you're ankle deep and God says you're waist deep. Maybe God says you're one nudge away from being in. 
We've all had that experience next to the swimming pool, right? Just nudge, one nudge away. It's a very satisfying nudge when you help somebody else along. Let me help you along into the river this morning. I want to be in that place where I am experiencing and finding more power. What do I mean by more power? I don't mean more fame. I don't mean more ooh la la. I mean more of Jesus. Changing me and making me into himself. More of his life working not just in me but through me where the power of the kingdom becomes manifest around me. Why? Because I am there and I'm carrying it within me. How is it that God is calling you to step in? That's the question. How can you yield your heart more to Jesus? Perhaps you already know where God's been speaking to you about. Perhaps He's already drawn out the picture before you. There's already scriptures that are dear to your heart. My question to you this morning is this. Have you stepped into them? Have you stepped into them? Let's get into the flow and begin to see what it is that God will do in and through us. Let's go and find more power than we've ever dreamed as we learn to yield and lean on Jesus. Amen? Would you stand with me this morning? We hope that you've enjoyed this message. For additional resources and more information, come and visit us at alphaomega.org.za.